And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise... You can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined by Vic Tafer and Tashawn Reed. Ted Nguyen, uh, hopefully, will join us in a little bit. The Raiders, they've won two in a row. They beat... The Seahawks in overtime after beating the Broncos in overtime. Two walk-off wins in a row, and now they have another AFC West battle on their hands, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. They're 4-7. We're not calling them back in this thing or anything yet, but um, you know, let, let, let's see. We'll, time to find out if they can build a little momentum and get a third win in a row and, and beat a divisional opponent again. Yeah, I told you guys, uh, trust the process, man. Trust in Josh McDaniels <laughs> and Dave Ziegler. They knew what they were doing. This is going to turn around. You told us that? I did, man, several well, which, times. Which, which, which show was that? So I, I got to go back. go back to all of them. They're all little bits in all of them. But uh, never had any doubt in the process. And so here we are. When now it's rolling, and we'll see how far it can roll. Yeah, I mean, uh, they didn't look too good in their first matchup with the Chargers. Um, you know, that was, that was with Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro out there. But, you know, divisional matchups are always tricky. They're at home this time. Got a little confidence now that they won a couple games in a row. I'm sure they're more comfortable in the system on both sides of the ball. So I, I think we'll see a more competitive matchup this time around. And they probably feel like they're in a better headspace as a team. Not that they started off the year feeling like they were going to come in there and lose to the Chargers. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm still not super sold on the winning streak. I think it's more of a, I guess it's nice for the, the team morale and all that and keeps the locker room together. But I still don't really think this is a team that's that's going anywhere. But, I mean, you know. All, all, most of their games this season outside of pretty much the Saints game and when they blew out the Broncos were one-score games down to the wire. Um, so chances are they'll be in it. I mean, it's a high-volatility team. And, I mean, that was the argument Raider fans were trying to make early in the season when, you know, they were 0-3 and things didn't look great. It's like, ah, oh, you know, well, we could have won all these games. And that's a way of looking at it. There's also a way of looking at it like, okay, well, you look at the last two games, you win in overtime. You know, a couple things go wrong. Russell Wilson doesn't throw the ball away on third down. If, you know, after the Raiders miss that field goal, if the Seahawks are able to to drive down and kick a field goal, they could be in a much different place where instead of four and seven building a little momentum, they're two and nine. So it's a lot of how the team was last year, right? They were a lot of close games. I think what, five walk-off wins last year as well. It's so easy to see how, how that record can flip. And that is the NFL though. I mean, all these games are close and I guess, you know, you do at least take some positive from the fact that they're learning how to win some of these close games but like we said this was not a team that we thought coming into this season should be needing to learn how to win yeah and I think the thing that that speaks more so to this not being a good team is you know having those three 17 point leads and blowing all of them 
Blowing one of them maybe is acceptable, but like blowing all three of them shows that, I mean, if you can't sustain leads and maintain leads and two of those weren't against, you know, like the Chiefs one, you kind of understand because it's the Chiefs, but the other two, it's like, you should be able to beat those teams when you go up three scores and not being able to close out those games. That's more so for me is like, all right, this team actually just, just isn't good when you do things like that. I think in all seriousness, though, like you look at last week, and I think Raider fans can hopefully there's some building blocks that they can work with. I think you look at the uh, D tackles played well last week. Billings and Nichols got some pressure, some run stops. Even Charlie Jones was a presence in the backfield, had some pressure. So I think that's the key to the defense. The D line can get some pressure, then it makes everything else easier for everybody else. Uh, Nate Hobbs is back. It's another positive this week. So in the offense, you got Josh Jacobs leading the league in rushing, Dante Adams. Having a great year. Derek Carr making some timely throws. So definitely are positives to build on these last two weeks. I think this is a big week if you really uh, if they have something going. They really have some momentum. They have turned this corner under McDaniels, and they got to win this week. Um, otherwise, it's solid and kind of just uh, a nice, happy two-week uh, break from uh, from the misery. You feel like there is an opportunity there. They, they face the Chargers, who their weakness is stopping the run. And right now you've got the NFL's leading rusher, Josh Jacobs, is – on a tear right now. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we're not going to get into this game now, but you follow that up right after against a game against the Rams who are injured and, you know, just falling apart, uh, things like that. So, I mean, they've got a chance to, to go on a little bit of a, you know, extended run here if they can beat the Chargers. But um, let's talk a little bit about Jacobs. I mean, we know the game he had on Sunday, uh, incredible, 303 yards of total offense. Uh, you know, he's now the, the NFL's leading rusher. And I just want to wonder, like, you know, he's not at all getting any chatter for MVP and he he's not going to win it. We know the four and seven record is uh, is going to be the determining factor there. But uh, I was surprised looking at, you know, we we post uh, the MVP odd from BetMGM every week. And I think we have 31 players that BetMGM has uh, has odds up for. And he's not even any not even one of those players. Uh, Derek Carr is on that list. Devonta Adams is on that list. What do we think about Josh Jacobs not even being mentioned as as a guy that you can uh put, put some odds out there for mvp i mean the season he's having i mean he is the raiders team mvp uh i think you know if if there's a close second it's it's max crosby but i mean right now i would say josh jacobs is, is definitively the raiders team mvp i know they're only four and seven but like imagine what they'd be if they didn't have him you know uh, <laughs> like this might be like a one-win team right now fighting with the texans for the number one overall pick but he's you know he's been incredible and it's hit more because that wasn't really the expectation coming into this season. I mean, he had he hadn't really been this type of dynamic player since his rookie season. And, you know, I think we all pretty much thought that was more so because of the offensive line and like what was going on around him more so than him and him not staying healthy. But even coming into this year, like the offensive line was still a huge question mark. We're like, I mean, it looks like the same issues as last year. And, and even though the offensive line still isn't like fantastic, like he's not only leading the league in rushing yards, but he's scrimmage yards is leading the league right now and so he's definitely been the Raiders best offensive player and, and their team MVP when, when you just consider his impact the actual MVP award is always going to be linked to, to team success we you know same thing could be said with, with Max Crosby and defensive player of the year award that's that's typically linked to your defense actually like being good um and then theirs is not it's arguably the worst in the league and so there's some bigger picture things that that kind of take those guys out of out of the question for certain awards but it, I don't think it diminishes um, how they're how well they're playing at all. The odds for these things, the MVP, are always slanted against the running backs. I mean, look at the years that McCaffrey and Dirk Henry had in the last five, ten years. They didn't win, so I just think it's not going to be a running back. And he definitely is the MVP of this team. He's the heart of this team. I think the guys look to him and they need uh, some tough yards, and he makes the plays and just uh, 
been amazing to watch. Just uh, I mean, the, for the fact that you know the Raiders had these doubts and didn't give him the extension, and now it cost him a lot more money to keep him. And just kind of a, it's a tip of the cap to him. Just kind of uh, he's uh, played hurt. He's played uh, you know carried the ball a lot. He had the top end speed of I think 21 miles an hour in that last run last week. So he's definitely hitting a home run uh, when he had a chance to. So uh, just an unbelievable year for Josh Jacobs. Yeah, maybe he could be in play for the offensive player of the year. Like I don't know if that's ever been. Has that been like a hard and fast award where it's like your team has to be good? Like I don't feel like it has. It's typically just been like the best. I think he's got the eleventh best odds from on BetMGM for offensive player of the year. Really? Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He. I mean, he's leading the league in scrimmage yards. He has nine touchdowns. I would think he'd be better off offensive player of the year. That's kind of that's kind of surprising. On MVP, there are five running backs listed with odds, and uh, and he's not one of those. You've got you know. Even Christian McCaffrey's on there, Saquon, uh, Nick Chubb. Uh, Max Rosby is is fifth there on on Defense Player of the Year, uh, which I mean it makes sense. I mean he's he's obviously he he's a guy that like he kind of got the seeds planted last year, and and uh, yeah, I think everybody knows how good he is. And, uh, we're just now seeing how good Jacobs is. I mean, but yeah, I mean, he leads the league in rushing yards per game. His 86 yard run that's also the longest uh, rush of the season. So. Uh, been an incredible year and we'll we'll see what it means in the offseason um in terms of a contract but um I, i'm interested about about him on sunday because he was coming off this incredible game and like we mentioned earlier the chargers that i mean their defense they're you know they got this supposedly great defensive head coach but uh their defense has been terrible for for two straight years and especially against the run you know they're, they're banged up a little bit obviously they got a lot of injuries on that team and uh you look back to week one jacobs didn't do a whole lot but the raiders at that time, we're not interested in running the ball. It was it was all passing, and it was really those first three games. It took that 0-3 start for Josh McDaniels to kind of figure out, all right, we got to lean on the run more. Because and we, we were commenting throughout those first few games, like, hey, you know, the yards per carries are pretty good, but the attempts are really low. And then, you know, they, they kind of figured it out in that first Broncos game. And since then, it's been, okay, yeah, let, let's feed Jacobs. But um, he's coming off a huge game, and he's obviously against this opponent, has the potential to have another one. Yeah, I think Daniel Popper in one of his stories earlier this week, at least since 2000, they have they're allowing the most yards per carry, you know, that there's been in that span. It's probably probably longer um, if we could go back further. But this is this is awful. I mean, it's a bad defense in general with the Chargers, but like their run defense is like historically bad. And, you know, Jacobs coming off that performance and given how the first matchup went, I mean, the Raiders falling behind in that, that double digit lead in the first half and, and trying to make their way out of that. Obviously, that's something they want to avoid. And a great way to do that is to run the ball and control the clock and, and keep the Chargers offense as dynamic as it is off the field. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing with Josh in terms of him having another big game, like, I don't, I don't think they'll have any issues running the ball against the Chargers if they want it, if they want to. But his health is going to be something to monitor again. I mean, he had that calf injury. Um, he suffered at practice last Friday and then he played through it. Based on how he was walking in the locker room after the game, it was obvious that it was it was hurting a little bit. But he, he felt like he'd be ready to go. Um, but you know he he was limited at walkthrough Wednesday, and he's probably going to be limited um, at practice um, once they go out there today. And so, um, I, you know, given his history, he'll probably play through it. But it's hard to to judge with soft tissue in- injuries; they can flare up anytime. He said it happened twice in the Seahawks game where it kind kind of tightened up on him, and he had to come out, and he's almost never come out um, this season. And so. That's really the only thing that could prevent him from having a huge day against the Chargers, I think. Another big factor, you know, the Raiders' hope in this game is uh, we mentioned uh, Nate Hobbs is going to be back. Uh, was hopeful, you know, he was returned from IR last week and then uh, came down with an illness, had to miss that game. But 
the Raiders defense needs all the help it can get, especially in the secondary. Um, you know, it's, it's not been pretty back there. And so you know, he was a guy that if we look at foundational pieces on this defense, guys that they can build around for the next few years, it's Max Crosby and Nate Hobbs. We'll wait and see who and else. Chandler can Jones, he's, he's back next year. Come on now. Foundational pieces they can build around. Um, yeah, I don't think you're build, building around Chandler Jones. Um, he's back, but what do we expect out of Hobbs? I mean, this is the guy that Rocky Scene has been, I think, a solid play. You know, he's been a fine starting cornerback. He's been solid. He's been good. But if there's a guy that we can look at in that secondary that might be able to make some big plays for them, you know, Deron Harmon's made some here and there, but uh, Hobbs is, is the guy that I think the Raiders were counting on the most to be able to make plays for them in the secondary. Yeah, I think Hobbs is great. I think definitely he's uh, kind of a guy who definitely all the players look to to make plays, kind of like he has that toughness and kind of that uh, just that will to win. I think that my only um, concern is the wrong word, but there's a ceiling there because he definitely doesn't have the measurables. That's why he went so you know, late in the draft. He's not a super fast guy or a big guy. So only so much he can do. And secondary, you, got, you need those traits to really be an impact player. So I think he can make some plays, but they're also going to be plays where you're like, well, he just couldn't do anything there because that's, that's who he is. So I think uh, – I think the bar for Nate Hobbs is high, but I'm, I'm a little worried it's too high because I don't think there are limitations to what he can do. I don't think he's really limited. He's not like a Meek Robertson situation uh, where he just gets little man out no, there. He's not, he's, he's not five yeah. seven. No. Hey, you you tell you tell Meek that he's too short. And he's going to make a play on you that, right yeah, after. Yeah. I mean, he, he knows. He knows. But Nate Hobbs, I mean, I, I think he's their best combination of consistency on a play-by-play basis and playmaking um, in their secondary. Like, because Deron Harmon, while he has made some flash plays, like if you look at his, you know, yards per target, yards per completion is not the best. Um, he's given up some. Yeah, yeah. And Rockison, you know, he's he's been good on play-by-play, but he doesn't really make those splash plays, you know, interceptions, for, force fumbles, things of those natures. And that's, that's what, what that are, what, what, what are those? Huh? What, are, what are interceptions? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I guess the Raiders defensive are. backs haven't done that too much historically the last 25 years. But – yeah, so I, I think he's he's a big boost, and and they had um, Anthony Averett go back on IR Tuesday. I know he he's been hurt most of the season; has been in and out, and but he he did start last game as outside corner, um, and so they need some help outside and inside. I would say, and the Tyler Hall they they, they signed him to the active roster, and he's been a, a nice little story the last couple of weeks. But I think Nate Hobbs is, is still a much better player at this point, and so. I think they're going to move him around kind of how they did earlier on in the season, um, kind of for the same reasons, due to injury and the impact he can make at multiple spots. And so I, th- I think he's going to be, depending on the matchup and the formation and what the Chargers are doing, I think he's going to get moved around pretty often. And it sounds like he'll be be ready to carry a big workload right away. He's, he's still going to have that club on his left hand. Um, so maybe that might make it a little harder for him to have some interceptions or pass deflections. But Force fumble, uh, man. Use that use that club. Force yeah, fumble. yeah. Knock somebody upside the head like, like they did it back in the old days. But uh yeah, I, th- I think he'll he'll be a big boost and and maybe give them some hope to slowing down Justin Herbert. You know, when we look back at the opener and you know the Raiders, the big offseason story for all these AFC West teams is who has the best pass rush and all that. And you know, the Raiders with Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, uh, they're going to lead this great pass rush, and they didn't do much of that in Week One. And and a lot of the argument was like, well, the Chargers' offensive line, you know, that it's a really great line. You know, wait till they face other groups. Well, now they're facing the Chargers' offensive line that isn't that same group they're on backup tackles on both sides uh you know i know trey pipkins on the right side has kind of been in and out um and dealing with injuries and, and whatnot and, and rayshon slater they're all pro left tackle he's out for the season that whole argument from week one that well it was just against this offensive line that that's why they the pass rush isn't there obviously hasn't 
hasn't been warranted because they had pass rush really hasn't been there all season except for Max Crosby. But against a team fit with with two probably backup tackles in there, you know, can can they finally get a little bit more? Um, you know, like we said against the Seahawks, they did show some of that interior rush. Andrew Billings, Bilal Nichols looked the best that they've been all season. Um, you know, I know that the Chargers do still have, uh, for the most part, they have their interior guys, although I know uh, Corey Lindsley, their center, I think is in the concussion protocol. I'm not sure what his status will be. Um, I mean, if he's out, that uh, that should help them get a little more interior pressure. Maybe this is a game we, you know, we're obviously not going to see some some huge pass rush in Lisa season. That's just, just not who they are, but we see a little bit more. Just say it. You're saying two sacks with Chandler Jones. That's what you're saying, right? That's what I hear you saying. You're saying two sacks, Chandler Jones this week. I'll let you say that. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll give him one. Give him one. I'll do one. All right, one. I think Max is could be primed for a big one because, I mean, Trey Pipkins, he didn't practice yesterday. Like, if he's – he's not great. But if he, even if, if he doesn't play, like, they're 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 in a rough situation. They're like, it's either going to be Storm Norton or, or Foster Sorrell and – or Sorrell, I don't know how to pronounce his name. But according to True Media, Storm Norton, among offensive linemen who played at least, like, 50 snaps, he's given up the highest pressure rate in the league. And Foster Cerro has given up the third highest pressure rate in the league. And so they're basically two of the worst offensive tackles in the league. And they and they line up on the side that Max Crosby is always lined up on. So Godspeed to those guys. But I mean they honestly in week one, they had a pretty solid pass rush. Like looking back at it, they pressured Herbert on like forty three percent of his dropbacks, which is one of the highest pressure rates the Chargers have given up all season. The issue was Herbert was able to just run away from him. Like he use his legs to escape the pocket or actually run or just you know, throw the ball away, and they only hit him three times, um, which is one of his lowest marks this season. They didn't sack him, which is one of the only times that's happened this season. So, like, they had pretty decent pressure against him the first time. They just couldn't get their hands on him. And so I think that's going to be the big thing this time is not so much can they get pressure. I think they will is can they actually put hands on Herbert and, and affect him and prevent him from making some of those explosive plays downfield. I think there's zero chance that they let Storm Norton on that field, maybe even in that stadium uh, after what happened in week 18 last season where he was just absolutely terrorized by Max Crosby. I think if you talk to most Charger fans, they'll tell you the reason they did not go to the playoffs last year was because Storm Norton just got abused all night long by uh, by Max Crosby in that, uh, in that week 18 game. I mean, Max, you know, and uh, Jacobs and Devontae Adams have kind of taken turns, kind of putting this team on their back. And that's why, to me, it's a little – a lot of people are happy about the two wins, and it's great, four and seven. But to me, it kind of also highlights, like, there's so much talent in this team. You're having career years from Josh Jacobs, and uh, Crosby's going to be a, a DPOY candidate. And just like, it's kind of a waste. I mean, you're kind of wasting these guys having these huge years, and they really shouldn't be happy about being four and seven. They should be a lot better. So, I mean – but yeah, Max definitely can have a huge game this week. It'd be a big part of the reason why they beat the Chargers. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. 
StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We're 11 games into the season, and you've got Jacobs has already set a career high in rushing. He's over 1,159 yards. Uh, Adams is basically already a thousand yard receiver. He's got 999, and Crosby's already at 10 and a half sacks. That's a that's is that a career high, right? Yeah, I think his yeah, career high ten, was 10, ten, sacks 10, right. 10 yeah. from his uh, his rookie yeah. year. So he's a they've got the stars. I mean, like I said before, those are those three guys are all those three are all clearly Pro Bowl, All Pro level talent, and then it's like they got nobody else that's even like flirting with candidacy for the Pro Bowl. And I think that's that's what hurts. It's like you've got the star talent, the star level, but you don't have the complimentary pieces that, uh, you know, and you've got some guys that were supposed to be complimentary pieces. Obviously, Chandler Jones, it, you know, we kind of expected a, a year or two jump from Merrig and, um, you know, expected to have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, got those guys around and um, this, they haven't, they, guys have either been hurt or, or ineffective. Yeah, they just have some major roster holes and a, and a mix of guys, key guys getting injured. Like they're not the most, they're not like the Chargers with injuries, so it's not a valid cop out. But not having Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on offense is, is a pretty big deal. Like it's just kind of something that they kind of banked on and spent a lot of money on this offseason. So, but even that with the, off, the offense has still been pretty efficient and pretty good. It's just the defense is just like they they need a lot of players on defense. And you know, going to this offseason, you know, with all the cap space and draft picks that they got, they used the majority of that. And finally fixing their defense, maybe, because uh, I know that's been basically a thing every year with Raiders fans for a long time now. But just, at some point, they got to figure it out, right? You would hope. You would hope. Um, all right. Well, that that's a good segue into, I know, especially after two wins in a row, fans are not ready to get get into draft mode. We know when they were two and seven, we were kind of going into draft mode. Um, you know, and obviously you guys had the story uh, Monday kind of breaking down the, you know, the two different paths. Do they go after a quarterback? Do they go after the best defensive player. Um, now that, especially after scoring 40 points, winning two games in a row, I mean, where are we at with that now? I mean, they, they're trending toward maybe not being a, a top five, top 10 pick. Uh, right now they would, if the season ended today, they would have the number nine pick, but there's so much variability there because every team from the number two pick all the way down to the number 14 pick has either three or four wins. You can see how that Two weeks of winning, two weeks of losing can move you up, move you down uh, in a significant way. Let's say they they keep trending this way toward not being a top 10 pick. I know a couple of weeks ago when they were at two and seven, we were all pretty much saying, yeah, this is, this is probably it for Derek Carr. Are we changing our tune at all? Are we saying, all right, if this offense can you know really catch fire over the, the last half of the season, does it make sense to, to run it back with him and to, to really go about addressing that defense? For me, thinking that, that this was probably it for Derek Carr was more so them being in a position to actually draft a replacement for him. Like if they're picking somewhere in the teens, like move on just to move on doesn't really make sense to me. Like unless you have like a guarantee that like, I don't know, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that is walking through the door. Like there's really no point in just getting rid of Carr just to get rid of him. Um, and so especially if, you know, uh, I mean, next week, 
I mean, he wouldn't make any guarantees because it's a short week and they probably won't be able to practice. But like Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are eligible to be activated um, or designated to return from IR next week. And so we could see them come back in the next week or two and then finally see that offense um, that they imagined coming into the season be a full strength. And who knows, like even if they because I don't think they're making the playoffs and like but but if they are able to close out, let's say, the last four or five games with all, all three of those guys catching passes and and the passing offense looks amazing with Josh Jacobs also running the ball crazy and the offense is just incredible. Like why make a change to that? And so I, I think there's still room, even if they don't make the playoffs and, and this season is a disappointment uh, from a team success standpoint for for Carr to kind of show why he he should stick around moving forward. Yeah, I think Carr's future is tied to his last his last half of schedule. I think they got two wins now, and like Deshaun said, they'll get uh, ideally get Waller Renfro back. So if they can keep making strides and be the you know, the top five offense they should have been with all this talent, then I think yeah, that's enough for you know, McDaniel's and Ziegler to go. Mark Davis, look, we got you know we got something going here. We got we got we finally got some momentum, and Carr's been good, and he's learned the system. You can see he's been much better second half in the first half, and to me, then yeah, go ahead and, and bring him back and. And see how it works, but I think if they don't do that, if the offense still sputters, you still you lose some games. And you're sitting at—I don't even know what the record would be like. You're sitting at six and eleven. But I think you got some real tough choices to make because I think, um, again, you, you want to be careful if you're if you're Ziegler and, and McDaniel's. You don't want to tie yourself with Derek Carr too much because Mark Davis can. You know, there's always a blame game. There's always a scapegoat. So I think at some point you have to say, "This is why we didn't do well this year. And this is why we did." At some point, if you're Josh McDaniels, it comes down to it was me or it was him. So I think that's still an issue. Hopefully they avoid the rest of the way, but still lingering maybe in the background. Yeah, I think the thing with that, though, is they kind of the way he structured his contract. I mean, they basically like he was in a year to year situation the last couple of years with, with John Gruden. And he's back in that situation now, like pretty much every year they can decide, fuck you, like we're, we're getting rid of you. Like it's, the way it's currently designed, like they could do that every single year. So if, if they bring him back next year and it doesn't go well, they're like, oh, well, see, it is Derek. Get him out of here. Like, let's go get our guy. And so um, they're not necessarily locked in. Like, it's not like a Russell Wilson situation where like they just can't do anything like they're gridlocked, you know. But I think really just closing out the season, like I, I don't know that it's so much about the record because like. They could average 30 points a game down a stretch and still lose because their defense is terrible. You know what I mean? So I think if it's more so with Derek Carr's about how does the offense look? Like not so much. I mean, obviously they want to win, you know, preferably. But if it's because they're losing shootouts and their defense stinks, like I still think there's like some wiggle room in there. So I don't think it's it's so much tied to their record as what the offense looked like, especially when it's back at full strength. Because, I mean, we, we only saw it for two games really at the start of the season and it didn't look great. And so they obviously expected more than that. And. Derek Carr looked like he was having some issues picking up on the system and wasn't too comfortable and didn't trust the offensive line. And so, and he's, he's improved a lot, I would say, since the Saints game. Like he's up there in all the passing metrics since then. And so you would imagine getting Waller and Renfro back would only help him. But as you said, I, I think he has, he has to play at a high level to end the season, regardless of what their record is. I think if he plays at a high level, uh, I think he gives himself, himself a pretty good shot to come back next year. Yeah. I mean, you look at next year, his, his cap hit is 34.9 million, which is, you know, that's, that's right in line for a quarterback. It's, um, you know, it's obviously it's a big jump from where he is this year. This year is like 19.4. But if he is on the roster after, I think, February 15th, it does guarantee seven and a half million for 2024. That's nothing that's cost prohibitive. Like you bring him back next year. It's not like you're committing to him for the rest of the contract. Um, you know, you have, you know, it's not until 2024 that that cap hit gets really high. That's when it goes up to like that 43.9 million. And that's the point where you want to make that decision. Like, okay, are we 
you know, probably working on a new deal that lowers that cap hit, or are we moving on um, if we do keep him around next year? Problem with that is you're kind of giving the new regime a two year a two year pass. Like whatever happens the first two years is kind of irrelevant based on if you if you bring them back next year and say they have another you know rough year. Uh, you told us you trust the process, uh, man. I was being sarcastic. Trust saying, the process. I was saying if you're, if you're six and eleven and you're gonna try and sell Mark Davis and the fan base, yeah, we're bringing everybody back. We're bringing Derek Carr back. It's gonna be great. I mean, I'm not bringing it, everybody. We're getting rid of that whole damn defense. Well, but, but that happens every year, though. I mean, but Carr obviously is the face of the franchise. That's the one that you know. Even Mark Davis looks at. I'm sure as being kind of a key guy behind wins and losses, whatever. And the fans do the same thing. We see every week the reaction to Derek Carr. I don't know. If, I mean, whatever the, the hefty price tag for a six and eleven season. I mean, I just think it's. Uh, you're kind of putting off your issues for another year when I think at some point you got to, especially if you're a new regime saying we have a vision, we have all those things laid out. And I mean, just like, yeah, we'll, we'll try it again. It's not much of a vision for me as far as Derek Carr goes. If they finish, let's say, upper half of the top 10 in, in scoring, like I feel they have $35 million in cap space already next year. And that's not including some people they can move on from. They have like all of their draft and picks. And the carryover, right? They're gonna yeah. have they're gonna carry over like twenty million too. Yeah, and they have all their all their draft picks, um plus some extra mid rounders. Like if you have like a top six offense and you say we have forty million dollars plus ten picks to improve our defense, like if you can't go get it like a competent defense with like if you have a competent defense and like a top six offense, like that should be a pretty good team. And if they can't build a competent defense with all those resources, then I'm looking at, you know, the personnel department. But, like, you should be able to like, – I, I know they, they haven't had a good defense in it forever, but, like, you have all the resources to do it. What happened this year? This year they have plenty of cap space. They have plenty of guys – I mean, the well, they fucked of- up. They got challenges. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 you're basically advocating for, like, what the – you know, speaking of this week's opponent, like, what the Chargers' plan was is, okay, they had Justin Herbert and their defense was terrible – and they said, well, we've got a defensive coach, and we went and traded for Khalil Mack. We signed J.C. Jackson. We drafted you know, J.T. Woods that was going to unlock everything that Derwin James can do. And suddenly we're going to turn from the worst defense in the league to like, you know, middle of the pack. We're going to be maybe a top 10, top 15 defense. And they've still been terrible. They've had a lot of injuries, too. Like, I think that's – I mean, Joey Bosa, J.C. Jackson is not there at all, basically. This but if your season. coach is supposed yeah. to be some defensive whiz, like, coach him up, man. Coach him up. Yeah, that's – I'm not Brandon Staley. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they have a lot of resources to, like, figure things out on defense. And I, I feel like if your offense is rolling to that degree, like, like, if you tear that down and then go build the defense a little bit, it's kind of like you're hustling backwards a little bit, mama. And I guess I mean part of the argument could be – you know, I think everyone says that Josh McDaniels offense is very complex. Uh, you know, it's the same kind of argument that you hear for like a Kyle Shanahan type of offense. And, you know, Matt Ryan was terrible in his first year with Shanahan in, in Atlanta. And then a year later, he was the MVP and they were in the Super Bowl. So that would be part of the argument is that it takes, you know, does it take a full year for Carr and these weapons to really grasp the offense and that in year two, we're going to really take off? Um Vic's shaking his head. He 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 wants it right now. I was tired of the excuse. Look at Tua. Tua's having I know. Tua's having an unbelievable year. I mean, Dale Jones has made huge strides in year one with his coach. I'm just saying, I don't understand. Like, Derek Carr should not be having all these issues. I know the old line hasn't been great and injuries, but I have so many excuses. I, again, this is a bad timing because they've won two in a row, and hopefully they have turned things around. But, I mean, I, I want to see offensive production the rest of the year, and I want to see wins. I mean, if you don't win games – I don't really care what the hell you're doing in terms of everything else. I mean, that's the bottom line. This team, I know everyone says last year was lucky and blah, blah, blah. But they're in the playoffs last year. And this year, they're, they're not good. And I mean, and 
I, we'll see what happens, but um, I'm just tired of the excuses. And I think hopefully, like like we said, hopefully the process, we trusted it, and now we're here. I, I come back around. We trusted the process. We won two in a row. Giddy up. I think it all comes down to, like, what's the path forward to your next quarterback? And like you said, if they're picking 15th and we know that they're not likely to be able to draft one of the top quarterbacks and, you know, and, and you know, I mean, and even even this class, I think there are it's considered a good quarterback class. But, you know, as Dane Brugler, you know, kind of contributed in, in the story you guys wrote, you know, they're even the top two guys, uh, you know, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I mean, there are, you know, the questions about is Bryce Young too small and there's questions about Stroud's ability, you know, to make off platform plays and stuff like there's not, you know, there, there are some question marks even about the, the top guys in this class. So it, it does come down to I mean, if you decide you're going to move on from Derek Carr and. Josh McDaniels knows that Tom Brady is going to walk in here and he's going to sign and you're going to have Tom Brady and Devontae Adams. Uh, maybe you do that, but that's still, that's a short-term plan, right? Tom Brady's washed. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, if you like, like it, it has to. We're like, going to play that clip at the Tom Brady Raiders introductory press conference. Uh, um, yeah, I just think it just has to be either a, a promising young guy or a clear upgrade. And, like, if they are on a team draft-wise, you can't get one of the young guys unless you, like, get Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or something crazy like that. And, um, you know, the veterans, like, you can't don't you can't get rid of Derek Carr and go get Jimmy G. Like, like if you do that, to me, you tripping. Like, because like, Jimmy G is not, not Derek Carr. Like, he's just – I know he's playing well right now for the 49ers. Uh, save, no, save that clip, no. too. They Save my clip. Save that one also. Save it. Please. <laughs> Put it on. Tweet it out. This will be the, the preview video. But, yeah, you, just can't, you can't do something like that. Like for me, so don't move on from Carr just to do it. And I'm I'm a guy that you know I'm, I've, I've written. He's probably going to take the fall if they end up top five pick range. But if they end up winning a few games here down the stretch, like Vic said, and end up with like the 16th overall pick or something like that, I mean, run it back, run it back, and just get rid of the whole defense. All right, let's make some predictions. Uh, we do want to let everybody know Ted uh, informed us he's not feeling well today, so uh, he he's. He's not going to be around for the podcast, so uh, it'll just be the three of us predicting. So we're not going to, unfortunately, that, that that eliminates the the magical the three the magical. of you guys picking one thing and then me coming <laughs> yeah, in with the so with magical. the dissenting so pick magical, and, and then yeah. slamming it down. Producer um, Brian Smith has to chime in. There you go. Let's go, Brian. What's your pick? What's your pick? We can't lose the magic. All right. Who wants to go first? I've been wrong every week, so I'll go first. I'm going to say. Uh, what, what, what is your record? I think you are. Well, I think you're two and nine. You know what the problem picks? was? I believed in the process too early. I was picking the Raiders like four <laughs> weeks in a row. They lost all those games. So then I jump off. And then you, you fell off the bandwagon. I, I was too. I was too soon. So whatever Vic picks, we can feel confident of the opposite. He is two and nine on his picks this season. I like Raider fans, so I'm gonna pick the Chargers. I'll pick the Chargers uh, to win 33-24. Too much offense. Yeah, and I'm not really uh, sold on the last two wins, but. Uh, Again, this is more for Raider fans picking against your guys so you guys can win. So you're welcome. Yeah, I'll also go Chargers 27, or 30 to 27. The Raiders, Raiders losing um, at home, but in another close one, another nail brighter. Um, but yeah, I just, I just uh, even though the, the Chargers offense hasn't been like great this season, I, I think just. I'm still pretty confident in Justin Herbert, and, and now he has uh, Keenan Allen back uh, from a hamstring injury. I know Mike Williams hasn't still still hasn't been play, uh, practicing, so I'm not sure if he'll be able to play this 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 game in particular. But Raiders defense, like I mean, they haven't convinced me of anything during this winning streak. I, I mean, 
Uh, Broncos looked pretty damn good in that first half before they locked down in the second half, and then the, the Seahawks pretty much shredded them last week. Like they they put up crazy numbers. They just made a few mistakes and had had turnovers, but they they scored a crazy amount of points against them. And so I think the Chargers will have another productive day on offense. And but the Raiders keep it close. They're competitive, and they kind of get to keep that same uh, mantra going of right there, almost figuring it out, but but not getting it over the hump. See, the Chargers' biggest problem is they've they've got like a Lamborghini. But Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, drives it like a Ford Taurus. That offense with Justin Herbert, you know, I mean, obviously Keenan Allen's been hurt a lot, but you know, Austin Eckler. I mean, just, I mean, you have a guy like Herbert. I, I don't understand how that offense, you know, falls into the funks that it does. And um, so Josh Jacobs against that Chargers rush defense, long as he's 75, 80 percent, he's going for 150. Raiders winning it, 34-28, another walk-off win in overtime. Three in a row in overtime. <laughs> oh, you asshole. Overtime? <laughs> three in a row? You going to wish that on me? Three three overtime? Wow. Oh, That's nice. Is it last year again? Jesus. <laughs> they can't win in regulation. Come on, man. Nah. Oh, nah. This nah. Is overtime. I like it. Our producer, Brian, is joining me on the Raiders bandwagon. He's got the Raiders uh. winning 27-24 with a walk-off field goal. See, yes, so, I like uh, that. I like that. No, no overtime. He says no hey, overtime. I, Brian, I, I like that, man. <laughs> oh, all righty. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh, but that'll wrap up another episode of State of the Nation. We appreciate everybody listening. We will be back on Sunday after the Raiders take on the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, y'all. All right, adios. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Tom Brady's washed. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.